0: Hello and welcome to Off The Shelf Reviews. I do love a little bit of John Cusack. And I'm Gary. And today we're going to review and discuss 1408, which released in 2007, based on the short story by Stephen King, with a screenplay by Larry Karazwiski, Scott Alexander and Matt Greenberg, and directed by Mikhail Hafstrom. Ian, why don't you give us the
1: synopsis? Well, the story follows Mike Enslin, played by John Cusack. Who is a paranormal ghost novelist? He has been invited to the room 1408 at the Dolphin Hotel in New York City, where, after being told by Samuel Jackson that he will not last the hour, he starts to question his very mind and his very existence.
0: If you leave your dry cleaning out by 10 a.m., we'll have a press and return by five. Shit, bitch, Call me a cab to the nearest hospital! I'm hurt! Do you comprehend what I'm telling you? So I'm a big fan, of Stephen King. Think, yeah, I think we both are. And of course, I saw this day one in the cinema. Absolutely loved it. And since seeing the film, I know a fair few people have seen it, commented on it. But it, I don't think this film ever really truly reached the heights of It, right. yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Or, or, or or the Shawshank Redemption. You know, it's one of those Stephen King stories that, that's been interpreted really, really well, but yeah. never... And it didn't seem to have the mileage on it. Yeah. Um. And I, I don't know, like, I don't really know many of these screenwriters. I've seen some of the projects they've done. Same with this director. He did Escape Plan. Yeah. You know, and I was like, eh... Nothing too stand out, which is great. Um, but then that's the other thing. Like we have John Kuzak. Yeah. And I know a lot of people think that John Kuzak is also this incredible actor. Well, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. I, 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 okay. Flame me now, internet. <laughs> I don't like gross point blank. Oh, but I think, oh, I man. think Kuzak's pretty good in it.
1: Do you um, like high fidelity? No, not oh, really. Yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But I
0: do like the, um, was it um, 2012, 2001? Where he's the limo two, driver. With the limo driver one, 2012, yeah, yeah. I thought he was yeah. great in that. He, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, because the film is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> But um, I honestly think that John Cusack is really, really good in this. And you get right into his character right from the get-go with this film. As he pulls up into this hotel, it's very atmospheric straight away. Yeah. And we can tell what kind of character he is just by the way that he... By the way, but his mannerisms, by the way he talks to these motel owners.
1: Yeah. I mean, John Cusack... I, I watched Girls Point Blank at a very good time in my life and thought, you know what? I want to be a professional killer. And I think I chose the right path not to, but like I would have shot you for money, possibly. um For me, watching John Cusack movies, you have to be in a kind of rom com mood. You know, I think like Say Anything, where he's the guy with the boombox still across his head. You know, like we said, High of where he's the uh, record sh- uh, shop owner, you know, 2012. Well, this isn't also his first Stephen King appearance either. No stand by me oh yeah <laughs> yeah but th- but this is it like he's just a really good actor i always find and he makes you believe his character straight away which makes you believe into the story and same way you said with with the fact that not many people talk about this movie in comparison to it which is obviously all a remake which i still haven't seen but there's so much stephen king stuff out there like we've even got the dark tower movie or have we? Why did you I say do, that name? I'm just bringing it up. Like me personally, Maximum Fucking Overdrive's Fuck the yes. best movie ever. <laughs> you know, but we're still sticking to 1408. So John Cusack turning up at this hotel. It's the middle of the night. He's really tired. He wants to settle in, and he meets the motel owner and and his wife. And they're trying to sell him this story that this place is haunted. You know, and at certain lights you can see the ghost here and there. And I'm fully believing John Cusack's character because I'm kind of that character skeptic i'm i believe but there's never been 110 percent hardcore fucking proof right in front of me to say that is a spirit you know you can move that little wooden piece on a ouija board as much as you want but unless it bursts into flames in front of my eyes and i hear the words get out you know there's not really much to believe in right
0: (laughs) (laughs) and so yeah like Mike Mike Enslin doesn't believe in anything. You know, He walks around the hotel room and he's just like,
1: yeah, yeah. He has reasons
0: why. Yes. We find out through the course of the film that he walked out on his wife. He went out for cigarettes one day and never came back. Yeah. And that's because the pair of them were grieving the loss of their daughter that's died from an illness is not actually really explained. No, no. Um, And so it kind of uh, broke their marriage up and on him, he kind of left. Yeah. And it would appear now he's changed the course of the novels that he was writing as we see him at a book signing that yeah. this lady asks him about this novel and he's like, I don't write those anymore. I'm now basically looking for proof of the afterlife because he doesn't really believe in God, doesn't believe in the afterlife and evidently, well, the evidence suggests there's no
1: ghosts either. Yeah, but the, the, that girl is really kind of. It's a really quite a sweet scene where she asks him, like, you know, is this character in this book, you know, is it real? This, is it real? Is it personal? And he's just like, no, but you, you know. You know. From John Cusack's face, you know it's something personal. And so then when he goes and he, he picks up his mail from his little post box and he's getting ready to go out surfing and he sees, he sits in the, the, the restaurant and he sees this postcard that says don't go here room 1408 which okay we don't find out who sent it
0: it we never find out in the book or in the film who sent the postcard right now there's two leading theories on this that is the hotel sent it on its own
1: right which is
0: whoa yeah <laughs> or the hotel's manager sent it knowing who mike Genslin is as this skeptic who writes these horror novels or and debunks the paranormal. He figured maybe this guy would be able to somehow shut this room down or whatever's going on in
1: there. Oh, okay. It's a bit
0: of a... It's a stretch. Well, but, well, I mean, I like a bit of a stretch. Now, I've got two theories. I have a third theory. My <laughs> okay, own theory. Five, he sent three. it
1: himself. Ah, I was about to ah! say. <laughs> or the room sent it well so i meant the hotel the room yeah. yeah yeah but i was also thinking mike sent it because he'd already been in the room and this is kind of like a time the thing. duffelganger thing he, he, oh, yeah.
0: like the paradox of him oh my oh, god <laughs> somebody anybody where's good chinese near 48th i gotta have lunch with that idiot from random house anybody sam mike ends in calling from los angeles again i'll take it in there
1: mike gets this message and he does go out surfing and he almost drowns so you could almost say at this point like you could play off the idea that he's possibly died well, I don't want to jump right into it right now. Okay. The great thing about
0: this film is that it has spawned lots of theories and conversations, and there are some fantastic YouTube video essayists out there as right. well that have gone through this film and did a comparison to the Divine Comedy. Oh,
1: and yes. I won't go
0: into it too much. Yes. I might actually link their channel here somewhere. We don't do Dante's this. Dante's
1: Inferno. Um,
0: but you you talked about this pre-recording actually about how he washes up on the beach after nearly dying and that is how the Divine Comedy begins Yeah, so it's very interesting that you drew that parallel without even realising well, it yeah, well, but just it's going, there yeah yeah but it's not I'm integral or, or or even maybe intentional
1: I, it's just it, it's that point of maybe i've seen enough movies where a character almost dies and immediately i'm like oh it's six cents all over again right they're dead for the rest <laughs> yeah. of the film already yeah, yeah. But, but you know with with this i'm a, I'm also an experienced stephen king fan so i know that this is just kind of a backstory to something this character is building towards me and when he goes to new york like this this director Jean michael hofstrom like i know we we only said like i've only ever seen escape plan that's what I kind of picked up uh I looked at the rest of his work and I'm sure it's absolutely amazing because escape plans not bad Stallone and Schwarzenegger escaping from prison you love prison movies yeah I know
0: why do I not like that one because... considering I love these two megastars as well it's it's gotta be because it's a crap film needs
1: a revisit needs a revisit but with with this you know we've got this great visuals of him going to the hotel in New York City now is it true that hotels don't have 13 floors because I yes. keep hearing this and I kind of need to go to a big hotel and see <laughs> 12 and 14. You know, is it like being John Malkovich? Or In the again? UK, we barely go past the fourth floor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and he, ter- he turns up at the hotel and he walks up to the receptionist and he says, look, Mike Henslin, I'm here for room 1408. And she immediately checks on the computer, alert management right away. Big red markers. So then when she goes over, she gets the phenomenal, obviously, Samuel Jackson, Nick Fury without the eye patch. Uh, coming up to discuss this room and try to convince Mike not to go in it. It's an evil fucking room. Yeah,
0: we're we're approaching like the half hour mark of this hour and forty odd minute film. Actually, a bit of DVD a trivia here for you is if you bought the original version, the film actually stops at a hundred. And 40 minutes and 8 seconds. Yeah, yeah. And so the reader on the thing would be
1: 1408 before uh, it actually stops. Evil, so that's, evil. That's pretty cool. That's pretty damn good, yeah.
0: Um, but, uh, yeah, there was this whole kind of the hotel trying to bar Mike from entering that room. Well, yeah. And he had to go and get legal help, which turns out to be mostly true, that no hotel can refuse you a room under the pretense that it's haunted. Like it won't fly in court. So they have to kind of strong arm the hotel into letting in. But all of this just builds up to Mike as part of the theatrics of building up this ghost story before he goes into the room. And this scene is about, it feels like about 10, 15 minutes with Samuel Jackson playing Gerald Olin talking and trying to convince Mike to not go in that room. He even barters with him. He's like, look, just write your story. Yeah. We'll put you in the room next door. Yeah. I will give you this exactly document yeah. that has 100 years, the history of this hotel and the 56 people that have currently died in that room. Yeah. You may know of the suicides, but how about those that died, died of natural naturally. causes? Yes. Strokes, heart attacks, blood clots, whatever. Uh, and there's even, we see him going through the journal of all of these yeah. horrific
1: imagery as he's making his well, way to the room. Well, he convinced him, doesn't he? Like, nobody's ever lasted an hour in the room. Um, when we clean it, we do it with two maids and we keep the door open at all times. You know, it has an old-fashioned key because it can't actually have any electronics. Like, immediately, like I said, as an experienced Stephen King, it's mini Shining. You know, the Shining Hotel exploded and it went and become a room in New York City. So I'm fully convinced that Mike should not fucking go in this room. You know, they, they have the whiskey, they have the chat. I love the moment with Tony Shalob, the oh, the, yeah. uh, <laughs> the editor-in-chief. Like, they find that law and say, like, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, here's another little bit
1: of uh, interesting foreshadowing
0: here. Yeah. It also depends on the ending of the film you're about to watch. <laughs> uh, but the bottle that he gives him says it's on the house. Yeah. It's a French label. And it actually translates to the 57 deaths. Uh, Mike being, or no. foreshadowing, to be the 57th. I was like, yeah and that and that's what then leads credence to this hotel manager being the one that sent the postcard out <laughs> to get him here it's like he knows he's been maybe trying he's to a the servant
1: room. of the room oh yeah the servant of the room but then a different ending contradicts that well i mean <laughs> we, we keep saying there's different endings there's there's four endings and once he enters in you know you see all this foreshadowing with like the the woman with the push chair with the baby which i'm immediately getting a creepy feeling from it you know my uh, samuel jackson will not actually step out the elevator (laughs) you know and the elevator is creaky old and squeaking away and Mike, once he enters in, I, I, thought, I thought it was funny, Samuel Jackson was like, yeah, no electronics in the room. And the first thing he does is flick electric lights on. So I'm like, the room's fucking with us. <laughs> Immediately, the room's just like, yeah, come in, said the spider to the fly. You know, look around and Mike starts to look at the decor. He starts to look at those wonderful, horrible pictures on the wall. You know, the it, way the room yeah, is. And out. he's
0: like, where's the rivers of blood? Yeah. <laughs> where's where's, where's
1: hell? You
0: know, what, and... Oh, and it's, it's coming. Com- oh, exactly. It's coming. Now, the first, sort of clue that something is not quite right is when he picks up the Bible he looks at it but when he throws it down it appears like the Bible's text is reversed or well, like it's gone upside down yes yes yeah.
1: you know it's evil bible evil like, bible now yeah those damn gideons <laughs> but he also like with the chocolates like he he goes to look out the window just to see what the view is and the radio comes on it's the fucking carpenters like right. i love the carpenters but man not in a horror movie okay <laughs> it's so haunting <laughs> those lyrics <laughs> it's only just a
0: the view of a oh window yet smashes down on his hand yeah he ends up tearing through the bathroom leaving a blood trail everywhere as he's trying to clean himself well well, he's
1: that's but like that's after he's found the chocolate that's right he's been trying to work out who's in the room with yeah though they must have climbed through the from the wardrobe they've gone into the bathroom down the shower curtain they're up in the air vent you know just it's really good setup of camera angles to set up you know, just John Cusack. And like you said, I know he's not the best actor in the world, but he makes me firmly believe the character and what he's going on. Like, I think it was vacancy where he was with the people in the desert and each one of them was getting killed off. And it all turned out they were in the mines oh, yeah, spoilers. They're in the mines. of was like, some other identity, killer identity is it yeah. yeah 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 you know and so well, like i said i fully believe him and his character and then that window smashing down he's injured he's ringing up the receptionist and he's just like bitch I mean, <laughs> wait is this after he got the mechanic round to fix the the thermostat yeah yeah, yeah 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 so he couldn't turn the thermostat down it was just so hot and so the woman he'd been talking on the phone sounded like a real receptionist when the the mechanic turns up he convinces mike you know just open it tap the mercury and it will move i'm not coming in the room i do not come in this room so i love only... that guy yeah. Love that engineer it's um Aisha whitlock right. and that, that's the oh she <laughs> guy <laughs>
0: from 25th hour nice <laughs> i mean it, it is a great moment where again he's also like i ain't coming in that room and the moment he's got the power on he looks over and he looks down the hallway and he's already gone <laughs> like gone didn't even stick around for a tip uh, but yeah we can see that that the the room has now drawn blood from him it's got a taste of him and now it's gonna really start to play with him
1: yeah yeah well he like I said called up that receptionist she's just mocking him because it's the voice of the room he's having to deal with his hand and he find, kind of convinces himself that he was drugged by the alcohol that and the been, chocolate yeah. yeah by and the chocolate by Samuel jackson so all of this is now in in his mind which makes me like start to believe that it's all in my mind but it's it's also the point where he walks into the bathroom and this is where the, the room starts to play on him and his backstory you know it turns like out his dad his dad didn't believe in him or didn't love him enough to you know support him when he was a writer and then now his dad's got dementia he doesn't remember mike at all and you get that fabulous bathroom shot with the white light and the dad sitting there trying to remember mike And this is where also we start to realise as well that, you know, he had a daughter, she died. And the two parents were trying to be supportive as as any parent would ever want to be with their child dying. But nothing was helping, you know, they just had to see it go. So then the room starts to pick up on that. Oh, yes. This is, it it, it
0: has that Twilight Zone-esque feel to it. Yes. It absolutely, uh, if you're a video game fan, like you can't help but make this parallel between silent hill yes, Hell, yes there's a lot of imagery in this film um about called a sort of a sort of imagery that that's similar to silent hill from from mike in the mirror putting his hand over his face oh, nice, to yeah. seeing his graves uh in the room yeah um to to the way that the 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 1408 manifests his own inner demons and nightmares for him to face now in the book, it feels like there is like a Pennywise type entity of some sorts feeding on his fear. Right, right. Whereas I think in this film, it's much more psychological than it is perhaps paranormal or, uh, you know, a, a Dark Tower like entity through a gateway of some sort yeah. um and i and i think it's much more interesting in this film form that we are starting to peel back the layers of this mike ensling character uh, and his tormented past and how he he didn't deal with it he ran away yeah. ran away from his from his marriage ran away from his guilt um and well, he is literally in the stages of grief and throughout this film he goes from denial anger to bargaining back to depression before acceptance and he goes through them in
1: that order as well well it's it it plays on the idea isn't it? it's like is all this in Mike's head and the room isn't real or is the room actually a manifestation of fucking evil and needs to be destroyed and Mike is just the, you know Mike is the hero he's he, he he goes through such hell throughout the whole movie like you know, the screaming baby next door, his ears, the, the sound going, and him not being able to hear anything. I love the set piece of just how it just starts to fall down all around him. The water starts coming through, and just it's a great scene. Moving. The
0: blood coming out of the wall, yeah. the ship moving. And it's not only that, it's the sound design yeah. as well. Like we we can hear the dogs barking from the other picture, we can hear the children screaming from the other picture, we can yeah. hear sailors screaming, man overboard. And, this and this. then just as he's about to destroy that, that wall.
1: It, it floods the room yeah and but it plays on also so brilliantly because he manages to speak to his wife at some point over the internet through his laptop and because obviously he's got no signal there he's in the middle of the seventh level of hell you know and you have that fabulous moment where he goes out on the ledge and it's only like 14 steps to the next window and then you it's as he tries to make it the the, the ledge just becomes infinitely long And he gets back inside the room and looks at the escape fire plan. And it's gone from being normal to now just being completely empty in space and void. You know, Mike is trapped. But he goes with this idea of calling the police. And his wife tells him, like, the police are there. You know, there's nobody in room 1408. And so Mike is just now like, holy shit. I've got to destroy this thing. It's tormenting me. He tries to climb through the air vent at one point as well. Yeah. doesn't he? It's so he gets chased back by another ghost. Well, yeah, it's like <laughs> ghost zombie. But I thought this was going to be Mike again, you know, because we'd already seen a reflection of Mike in a window across the street. First, you think it might just be a neighbor trying to help, and then it's just revealed to be Mike this thing in the air vent is something else because he sees the flashback of his wife with his daughter again you know he sees the flashback of him and his dad and so once he has that moment he falls back through the vent smashes onto the table and he's just like ah we're back in the room again yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, there we
0: literally follow him through his insanity as he's unable to deal with You know, because he never processed his daughter's death. And the room is forcing him to confront this, uh, you know, against his will. uh, And it it slowly breaks him. It utterly, utterly breaks him. You know, like, there's so many great visuals of the room spinning, uh, of Mike's eyes just going all over the place as he completely breaks down. And, you know, it's also during that moment where the room is just going hell for lever and he smashes the window and gets flooded and he ends up on the beach again yes you know washed up ashore and he gets saved and he's just like oh my god i was out. all a dream yeah and he, was... he goes back to his oh. wife he reconnects and he ends up writing his story and uh and he goes to publish it and goes to send it and Goes goes into the post office. His life is happy. Yeah. Well, yeah. not necessarily happy, but moving forward again. Yes. In, yeah. in a better trajectory. Uh, until he's in there and he realizes that the, the, the clerk working there is the same usher from the hotel. Yes. And then everyone starts looking at him and they start bringing out these sledgehammers. And they start tearing it's, down the post uh, office until he's back in the hotel room. And that moment uh, of... Oh, it is... And, and, and again, so much credit to John Kuzak who... Sells the reaction, I think, perfectly here. Yeah. So you buy it, watching it when you know when it sets in, because for a part of it, you're also like this. If this is the ending, it's gone
1: on like too yeah. long now. So yeah. something's not right. How does it end? Well, you know, like I said, as an experienced Stephen King, you know, person, you know, like fan, you're getting through this happiness, and and you're just like, hmm, hmm this isn't right. And then once they destroy the room again, you know, you're just you you there with John Cusack, like I said back in the room accepting that now he's he's you know he's, he's lost there. well he's... this is
0: where the room really sort of unveils its plan for
1: him and it well... and it's
0: through the power of suggestion that the room is like look i can't kill you but i'm gonna force you to do it for me yeah like... and and again we see his doppelganger disappear out of the mirror then drop down hung
1: yeah because it's gone through the hour hasn't it it's just like right because with the time we've had this timer in the background the whole time and once it's gone the hour the woman phones back on the phone she's just like look you know you can take our expressway out or you can relive that hour all over again and part of me's like um well he survived the first one (laughs) you know like what's the what's the worst that really could happen you know but then you see the like said the doppelganger his neck breaking and the thought of just dying and he, when you have his daughter walk over, yeah. you know the brokenness of the room. He knows it's uh, not her, but again, yeah, he but just, just he has John to face Cusack, it, man. Yeah. It's John yeah.
0: Cusack. he breaks. And and the thing is, is the film it pulls no punches here because when he's cradling her, and she, yeah, it's bad. She you watch dies. Her die again in and then his she arms. Goes ash. But it's their, her crumbling into ashes, and him's trying to scoop it all scoop up. It all up yeah. Oh my God, it's devastating to watch. Yeah, that machine <laughs> of
1: her ninety that yeah. she must have died in discomfort. I'm like, fuck. The, yeah, all that room. trauma, and this room Ugh. is just
0: smacking him so hard with it. Um, and yeah, he, he he reaches boiling point. Now, there is we mentioned earlier the dark Tower. There's a couple of subtle little references to the dark Tower here, and one of these phone calls is that when in the book, uh, Susanna and Jake see the writing in a park bench that says five of five and basically some numbers and all your friends are dead and these voices sound very similar and i think it's five and eight and if you add those numbers up 13 uh, which is a prominent number throughout the film as well um but uh he he then realizes like the the, he keeps being told he's got to kill himself it's his only way out for all the imagery that he's seen but he decides you know what like Maybe I'm not real anymore, but you know what? This, this booze and this lighter feels real. Now,
1: if we go with the idea that it was the it was Samuel Jackson who lured him to the hotel, it seems a bit contradicted that Samuel Jackson be the one to give him the weapon to destroy the room. It's what unless Gerald he, wants. Unless he and Gerald, Gerald wants the room destroyed because, because he knew, yeah. legally oh, he can then no oh, longer
0: God. rent it out anymore. <sighs> In you know, in, like... in the theatrical version, when the when the fire brigade accord, we see Gerald in his office with a drink, kicking back, laughing, and toasting to Mike for ending it. Yeah. Um, whereas yeah, in the we'll get to that anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, he sets um, the room
1: on fire. He, and obviously... In every
0: ending, he sets the room on fire with that with that bottle, which looked empty in an early shot, but maybe it refilled when the hour reset. Possibly that would have been a nice
1: torment. But like from the moment he smashes the window, like the wife has also been lured over by the room and they've planned on killing her. And so this is why Mike's initial idea now is I need to save her. You're like I don't get the I don't get the complete feeling like he believes in God at this moment. You know, he definitely believes in an evil fucking room, but <laughs> the idea of like he's doing this to save his daughter isn't really there. Like it, it's it's more his wife and so blowing up the room you do get one ending where he survives, and I don't. I'm not entirely sure I've seen that one, but if I have, well, I didn't really remember it very well. It was the rest of the film I did. I'll, I'll go over the,
0: uh, the. For me, there's four definitive endings here: two where he survives, and two where he dies. Yeah. The theatrical version, he survives. The director's cut he dies. Right,
1: right, right. Now,
0: originally, the theatrical cut was the director's cut, but test audiences said they don't like the bad ending. Right. So the good ending was put back. Uh. Then for the director's cut and the special editions, it's back to... Him not surviving the ending. Now, just before I get into the other endings as well, I will say this was 2007. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was also the same year that The Mist came out. Uh, Actually, only a couple of months apart. No way. Now, yeah. it just seemed not like me. this was the, the year of having heartbreaking, bad endings to stories. Yeah. So, 1408 is no different here. Um. So, ending one, he dies in the fire. Director's cut ending. Uh, Gerald is at the funeral with the recorder offers it to the wife yes, and she says no.
1: Yeah.
0: Um then he gets back in the car and, and Mike jump scares scared. him in the back. Yeah. Um but it would also appear like, well Mike like the hope the curse is not over because now Gerald has
1: unleashed it into the world. Well maybe his spirit's in the recorder, you know, and it was maybe. the last little bit before he came out.
0: The other ending where he dies in the fire, but the manuscript that he wrote while he was in fourteen oh eight gets sent to his publisher. Right. And his publisher starts reading it as the camera sort of leaves the office oh. and the doors close. And it's like so considering Mike was only in that room for one night but managed to write a you know month's worth of manuscript, it's like that's some weird stuff.
1: Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And yeah. also
0: feels like, yeah, the hotel is trying to get the word out, so more and more people are gonna to want to come to that room now, but it's been burned, so they can't. But maybe they'll repair it. But that's the end of the story. The other two endings are these two endings are very, very similar, but there is a major difference. And yeah. In both of these endings, Mike survives the fire. Oh, right. Oh, okay. He gets patched up, patches up with his wife, moves back in, and he's writing his next story, but he's also listening to the audio player. And in one ending, it's him having that final conversation with his daughter, and his wife's just doing the the you know house chores in the background. Yeah. She doesn't hear nothing. Right. And then in my preferred ending is where she hears her daughter's voice talking to Mike in 1408 and she drops everything, looks at Mike like, what the fuck? And Mike looks at her like, yeah, I've just been through hell. Uh... I like that ending more because I I, kind of wanted Mike to survive because he does go through so much trauma in this film and he does face his demons and he does deserve a chance to move forward with his life. And that's something that the director also said about this film in particular. He said, you know what? Living is tough shit and everybody has to face their demons in order to take another step forward and i think rip and tear you've got to rip and tear sometimes and and sometimes you've got to be ripped and teared yeah to to heal and move on yeah um so and that is why i keep saying like with there being four different endings with it being pretty ambiguous what all those endings also mean when comparing to the Rest of the film and your readings of it can alter dramatically, and I also think it's interesting. Then when you ask people of the scene, fourteen oh eight, like no one really remembers the ending. Like <laughs> nobody remembers how it ends. Yeah, no, that's it. <laughs> well,
1: weirdly enough, like like said, Stephen King's always said he's had trouble writing endings, and most of his fucking productions have not. They've either got like multiple endings or they've got not great endings like Maximum Overdrive, possibly The Shining, you know, fucking 1408, The mess. We could go on for days, Dark, the whole of Dark Tower. I've not seen it, but, but what I also love the fact is, like you said, if you say to somebody, if you've seen 1408, they say yes. And then you go, did you enjoy it? And then most of the time they go, yeah, I really did. Because they remember the whole journey that Mike went on and it fucking t- traumatized them. And then you go, oh, what endings did you get? And they go...
0: I don't know, he's still in the hotel. <laughs> like,
1: for me, I've seen it twice, on, uh, uh, three times, maybe twice on DVD, once on, on the director's cut. And it was all the ending where Mike is in the room. It's burnt out. They're not opening it again. And he's lighting a cigarette and his daughter's calling to him and he's walked off. He's the hero. He got lured to this room. He went through hell and he blew it the fuck up. Right on. Right on. (laughs) William, what are your favourite scenes from 1408? Oh, man. Most of my favourite scenes are anything with John Cusack in, like, um, which, yeah, I know. (laughs) I don't think there's a scene without him. (laughs) That's it. But, like, just mostly all of the stuff in the room, you know, from the moment he closes that door and he, like, it's all dark, isn't it? And then he flicks the light on and it becomes the room from that moment to... The moment he hits the window, it's just phenomenal. It's a fucking roller coaster ride. On top of that, two extra is the sequence with Samuel Jackson at the beginning where he's describing all of the details of the room and why it shouldn't be gone into. And then there's that other bit where he's screaming at him in the fridge. Yes! <laughs> it's so
0: funny. And he's just, he's in his office, isn't he? And he's yeah, just and walking just, towards the open of the fridge. Difference. Oh yeah. my god, Samuel
1: <laughs> Jackson's amazing. Yes.
0: And yeah, John like loses his shit. I love it, it's one of my favourite scenes too. Where I love it when he's just, when it cuts back to him destroying the yes. contents of the fridge. I'm just like, yes, this is a great meltdown. Yeah. I'm sorry for rooting for it, but yeah. <laughs> but it's the way he also just says, I want my drink. Yeah. He's like, yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, those are all my favorite scenes, George. Yeah, again, the intro, like the entire 10, 15 minutes with those two actors sat in the room. You know, it's blocked really well. The camera work is really good. It's really well lit. The music is just building up that tension, but the dialogue and the script is perfection in terms of, Having this character debunk haunting to him being set up for the one of what is going to be one of the most horrific events in his life <laughs> after his daughter died, yeah, because he's actually going to face it there. um, but the way they sell this room that all of the deaths in there, all of the photography from in there, you know, to to the owner not wanting to go near the room, yeah, it's built up absolutely outstandingly well. And because we know this guy, you know, is a, is a skeptic. We know we're going to have fun torturing the skeptic with what is possible. Um, and so, yeah, the setup is absolutely fantastic. Um, one of the other scenes that I really remember and thought was fantastically done was the doppelganger scene where he's screaming for help across the street. Yeah. And, it turns out to be his own reflection, and so it would seem like only he can save himself now. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, even though it also like it ha- looks like it has a sinister version of him. Yeah, that's know, what like I was say. His it's, inner demon, it, it, I guess. Inner but,
1: demon, or the room mocking him back? Cause it? Because it does smile at him when he, it when does. he talks over it the It also, also as winks well. to him. yes. yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Now, yeah, uh, it's you know yin and yang. You know, you need both. You do need both. Yeah. Um, the scene once uh, he ends up back in the room and he's just shouting, I was out. I was out. You know, it's, uh, it, 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 it's so dramatic uh, and you can read into it so much as well. Brilliant delivery by Kuzak. Um, and and, the, and one of the last things because it cracks me up every time is when he's on the phone to the receptionist and she says you can take advantage of our express checkout system <laughs> yeah. which of course many people in this hotel already have as the window lays open and we can hear the city streets
1: below yeah but it's
0: just really cool
1: <laughs> Ian. You recommend 1408? I totally recommend this movie. I mean, you know, say what you want. John Cusack just knocks it out of the park every time. He has different styles for different people, and this is his horror. You know, okay, he'll come back, what, in 2016, 2017 with Samuel Jackson with Cell again, but that's the development of another Stephen King short story novel. It doesn't always work, but they do what they can, and with this movie, it's just Cusack sitting in this room fucking the room just is an amazing set the director worked really well just kind of making us you know i said it, it's like a mini shining like he, he'd seen the shining and said right i've got to take all that malevolent evil and just squeeze it into this tiny little space how can i make the audience feel it and i feel it the way the camera zooms up when he's on that ledge the way it zooms back in again and you just see you are here and nothing else yeah watch 408.
0: Oh, hell yeah. I'm easily giving this film my must-watch recommendation. I think it's a great Stephen King adaptation with great performances and direction. John Cusack is great in this. Might be his best performance yet. Showing lots of range. He sells the horror, the, the rage, the confusion and the sorrow. And his reactions or, or moments of realisation are perfect. Outstanding as he carries the majority of this film on his own. It's a solid depiction of grief, the isolation, the pent-up frustration, in battling one's own inner demons in a Twilight Zone slash Creepshow-esque way. (laughs) It's more psychological horror than paranormal horror, with 1408 acting as a gateway into a personal hell and through the power of suggestion convinces you death is the only way out. It's a simple story, but it's incredibly effective. It has various interpretations and endings to provide more conversation on its conclusions and deeper meanings. Technically, though, the film is great. Good cinematography, great use of sound and sound effects, good use of CGI. It's well-paced and very thought-provoking. Only weakness might be the score, which is fine, it's totally serviceable, but it just gets overpowered By the carpenters. It's only just begun. (laughs) Enjoy your stay. No one lasts more than an hour. Thanks for watching Off the Shelf Reviews.